Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to the 161st episode of the IT Career Energize podcast. My guest on today's show is Fran Bontempo. Fran is editor of the ACCU's Overload magazine. Fran has been programming in C++ for over a decade and also knows C Sharp and Python. And Fran has also written a book about how to program your way out of a paper bag. So welcome to the show, Fran. Thank you. Great. So first thing I want to ask you about is your role as editor of the Overload magazine and how long you've been doing that? I've been doing it for at least five years. It might be more like seven. I can't remember. (laughs) Right. And how did you manage to get into that? I've been a member of the ACCU for a long time now, well over 20 years, and just gradually started joining in some of the members' activities like code critiques and writing book reviews. And I'd written one or two articles for Overload and the members-only magazine, Seaview. And the last guy who was the editor wanted to step down and ask for volunteers. So I stupidly volunteered and here I am. <laughs> right. Okay. In terms of the, the readership or following of the magazine, how, how broad or what's its reach? I'm not sure really. The Overload one you can see online via accu.org. So it reaches far more than just the number of members we've got. I know we've got members in the UK, in the States, in Australia, so worldwide audience. I think it's a few hundred members who've been members for years, but I suspect we're reaching 1,000 or so people each time. Okay, that's good. I mean, how often do you publish as well? So it's every two months. One month it's Overload and then the other month is the Members Only magazine. So this is just as I get one out of the door I need to start seeking out new offerings yes. and articles. A bit of a conveyor belt. Yeah, production line. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Okay, and in terms of your book as well, so learning to program your way out of a paper bag, how did that come about? Again, this started by me writing a few articles and giving a few talks what actually happened was I was interviewing with some people at work once and we came out and the person I'd been interviewing with said that candidate couldn't code their way out of a paper bag which is one of those throwaway comments and I thought ah I can't code my way out of a paper bag what does that even mean now, I did a PhD in machine learning years ago, and there were some techniques I wanted to practice, so I used some genetic algorithms. And also, I wanted to spend some time learning more, so I read up on swarm algorithms and various other AI machine learning techniques. And I've got loads of examples of things moving out of a paper bag. The official title is something like Genetic Algorithms and Machine Learning for Programmers, but that's a bit of a mouthful. Yes, indeed. Basically, pull together some of the talks I've previously given at conferences and learn some new things as well. And there we go. Right. So you're confident now that you can program your way out of a paper bag, presumably? I am. After my first talk, which was at an ACCU conference, I got the audience to sign a certificate if they thought I'd done well enough. So I've even got a certificate showing (laughs) I can take my way out of a paper bag. Fantastic. Great. Okay. 
So, Frank, can you perhaps share a career tip with the audience? One name may not know and perhaps should. Something I've been thinking a lot about recently is imposter syndrome. So the idea that you suddenly find yourself maybe editing a magazine or giving a talk or writing a book and you go, ah, I'm a fraud. I don't know what I'm talking about. And loads of people have been talking about imposter syndrome. I think it's something that will start happening as you put your head above the parapet and start getting involved in things. And I want us to stop calling it imposter syndrome. I think it's that conscious incompetence from the four stages of learning where you suddenly start becoming aware of all the other things you don't understand yet. So I think you should see it as a good thing. Don't panic. Indeed. So I also think it's a term that's come into sort of common use now, but it used to be referred to as self-doubt. It's the same thing in my view. Exactly. But I'm saying that's a good thing, actually. If you're starting to do that, you're, you're realising you've still got more to learn. So embrace it and don't panic. Indeed. Yeah, that's great. So, Fran, we're going to move on to career experiences. So can you perhaps tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Ah, I can't choose. I've got two. So one, very early on in my career, I was in the route to see at command prompt and accidentally deleted Windows from the work laptop, which made me panic and <laughs> go and hide in the cupboard. But I faced the music and we sorted it out afterwards. And the other panic moment, I was on a team of seven and they laid off five of us with no warning. And the next day, everything broke. And But I knew where the code was. I knew where the log files were. And I did manage to trace down what had happened. But that moment of panic when the team had gone and I didn't know what had gone wrong. So, yes, two extreme panic moments, but they panned out all right in the end. (laughs) Managed to trace down a service account that had been deleted because the person who asked for it had been laid off, which is not what you're supposed to do with service accounts. But anyway, trace that one, fixed it. Okay, I mean, I had a similar experience with um, deleting um, a software application. Because I was asked to, and I I even asked about the additional files that were there, they said, oh, no, no, don't worry about those, they're not necessary. And, of course, went about deleting and reinstalling the application, and the files had gone, and they said, oh, we needed those. Yes. (laughs) So, yes, should have taken a backup, I think was the, uh, (laughs) the learning from that. Cool. Okay. Um, so moving on from worst moments, can you perhaps tell us about your IT career highlight? Well, I mentioned just now my signed certificate saying I can code my way out of a paper bag, so I'm quite proud of that. The things that are pleasing me the most at the moment are human interaction things. So just sometimes stick my nose in Stack Overflow, and every now and again I watch someone being given a load of grief for a badly asked question But if you try and push and make things better, if someone says thank you afterwards, that's just heartwarming. Or I've had some opportunities to mentor people and just watching them get better than me is just really cool. So watching people grow and flourish is really exciting. It is, yeah. Presumably you get feedback from your conference speaking as well. Yes, and some book reviews and things. That's always awkward. So... Yeah, that someone is going to hate what you do, no matter what. But some people like what you do as well. So you need to manage to just be quite zen about how you read the feedback. And if someone didn't like it, try and think, well, what could I have done to make them happier? 
but bear in mind the positive feedback as well. Yeah. There's always get clues about how to improve and things, but yeah, just, just be stoical about it. Read it and have a think. I think, yes, not, not everybody will like everything you do, but somebody I particularly follow talks about this balance. So for every sort of one extreme ardent follower of yours, you're going to get somebody in the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, haters going to hate. As exactly, exactly. Good. Okay, so in terms of the IT industry and careers in IT, what is it that excites you about the future? I don't know where to start. There's loads of innovation going on. So on one hand, just watching C++ since C++11 has been really interesting. I think C++ had hit a point where it was only old people like me who were doing it. And it was really hard to teach. But the innovations that have been happening as the language has changed, I'm now seeing a huge audience of younger people getting involved, giving podcasts, talking about things, writing blogs, and, yeah, the language changing is really interesting. But yeah. machine learning and AI stuff as well is really interesting. There's lots of lies about it in the news, and people don't really <laughs> understand how it works. But there's so many innovations going on there. But I think all through, throughout the whole of IT and computing history, there's always been some exciting innovations happening. You'll always have new things to learn. Exactly. Yeah, the new opportunities are going to occur as well. So there are now that people are doing things that 10 years ago we wouldn't have even considered. And, of course, the same is going to happen as we move forward with the new technologies and um, new ways of thinking. Yes, yes. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Okay, yep, go. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? unemployment basically <laughs> that was right. that for a thing so i'd learned to program computers a bit at home on my dad's computer when i was a teenager and then i'd gone on to do maths and philosophy at university and was a secondary school maths teacher for about three years which didn't work out very well i ended up unemployed for a bit and I thought hang on you can get a job in it i don't have the programming experience that everyone's requiring i haven't got a comp sci degree what am i going to do about this and i went to a local college and did a city and guilds course in c programming for just a few weeks and that was enough to be able to score an interview at a local company and they took me on they made me read K&R's c programming language book in my first week and start writing a few little snippets of c and then I went on to learn C++. But yeah, just that patch of, ah, what am I going to do? I've chosen the wrong career and it's not worked out. It gave me space to think about things. Well, presumably that experience of reading the book and being into program, obviously it sort of engaged you and made you, made you believe that this is what you wanted to do. I was so lucky to get the job, though perhaps I created my own luck a bit just by being interested in this and doing the evening course to learn some basics. Yeah, that was really exciting. Yeah. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? So I did that job for about four years and I got an opportunity to do a PhD at Leeds University. And I said to my boss at the time, what am I going to do? You told me to read this K&R book. You've been pointing me at the best books to read. So what am I going to do when I'm by myself doing the PhD? And he suggested joining the ACCU 
Now, that was the right advice for me. But just that idea of finding a group of people who will help you is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And conversely, what is the worst career advice you've ever received? I don't fit very nicely an idea of a hierarchical career structure and trying to like climb your way up the slippery pole. I think a lot of technical people end up in, if you're in a larger organisation as a permanent member of staff, you have the opportunity to be a manager, which I always hear as opportunity not to programme computers anymore. So anyone who's trying to encourage me to be more senior, I always hear as stop doing the thing you love. So I'm not interested in that. I'll keep following my random walk. I like tech. (laughs) Okay. And if you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? The most important thing for me was finding some supportive groups somewhere. For me, it's, it's been the ACCU, but there's so many other things going on. There's a group called Include C++ that have got an internet chat room and they pitch up at various conferences and they're just watching people help and support each other and encourage each other is amazing. And being really welcoming to beginners and helping them find good books or give them code reviews or pair up with them on something. So definitely straight away, yes, okay, sit at your laptop by yourself for a bit programming, but meet some people who will be kind to you and help you. That's great advice. I think there's a lot of support out there now, particularly at these uh, conferences and meetups and so forth. So yeah, make the Mm -hmm. most of it, definitely. And what are your career objectives at the moment? I'm having a daydream of retiring soon, but I'm wondering whether we can get AI to replace programmers. So at the recent AtQ conference, I demonstrated how I got some AI to generate the code for FizzBuzz. And unfortunately, the code was absolutely vile and it took ages to come out of the right tests. So I don't think I'm going to manage to retire in the way <laughs> I hope for a long time soon. But I want to keep playing with some of the AI ideas. The way I generated the FizzBuzz code was by using something called genetic programming, which just makes a tree structure for you, which immediately then is the abstract syntax tree for a language. And you can do things pulling on AI to generate code for you or test your tests or come out with test cases for you. I think there's an overlap going on between the AI machine learning community and the tech community that if we talk to each other better, we can help each other out. So we can see a space there that I want to be involved in. Yeah. That's interesting to hear what you say about the um, potential for AI to help with test cases in particular. That's, That's one I hadn't considered. If you look at things like property-based testing, where you state some properties that work, you can then try and seek out some numbers or strings that will fail the cases. And if you do that in a guided way, you are starting to pull on some stats, AI stuff. And then simple things like fuzzers. I think a lot of machine learning and AI involves doing something random and seeing what happens. But if you come across fuzzers before that just throw some random data into something and try and make it crash, that's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah. And mutation testing as well, where you randomly change the code and see if any of your tests fail. So again, that do something random, see what happens. And what do you do to keep your own career energised? Part of this is still editing the Overload magazine 
I get all kinds of things sent to me that I'd never have thought about reading before. So that keeps me up to date with some of what's going on. And yeah, love going to conferences, like like talking. It's much easier to sit back and listen. Like, yeah, yes. following blogs, talking to people, see what's going on out there and follow your nose, do your own random walk. Yeah. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? Oh, all kinds of things. It's nice to do something quite grounding. I, I spend far too much time reading dystopian cyberpunk sci-fi books and similar, but it's nice to do something in contrast. Got a house with a garden. I'm just I'm sitting looking at it at the moment. I can see some flowers, and yes. that makes me happy. I love cooking, actually, which is kind of like science, but look, trying to make bread just do it making a big curry or something and then I've got food for the rest of the week that I can just heat up quickly. Things with my hands, so cooking, gardening, walking. Frank, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? Something that struck me at the Software Craftsman Conference last year in London, Mike Feathers was talking and I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was along the lines of as programmers, you've got an amazing set of skills. You don't have to be unhappy in your career. And he was encouraging us to be innovative, maybe try and set up a startup or do something useful that keeps you happy. So, yeah, be happy. Yep, absolutely right. Definitely. It's definitely um, making sure that your career gives you that sort of balance with, with everything within your life as well. I think that's, that's the way I tend to look at it. Yeah, exactly. Fran, can you perhaps tell us how we can follow you and connect with you? So you can find me loitering on Twitter as FBontempo. If you Google me, you'll find me because I've got a unique name, I think. I hang out on ACCU General from time to time, which is just an email discussion group. Send articles to Overload. They will be peer-reviewed. You will get feedback. I'll try and make sure that we're kind and critical in equal measure. And I do hang around on the Discord chat from the chat that the Include C++ people have set up. So I'm out there. DM me on Twitter if you want. Fran, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks for the invite. As always, my thanks go to my guest on today's show. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e and then the number of today's episode. I also want to thank you for your continued support. It's always great to hear from listeners, particularly when they have suggestions about potential guests or ways to improve the show. And this was one of the reasons for creating the new IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. I'm really excited about taking the podcast forward and I hope that you'll continue to support and listen to the show as it continues to change and evolve. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.